Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Justified. I'm your host, David Colford. As always, I'm joined with Riley Trudell. Riley, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? It's going all right, dude. Wait till you see who we have as a guest today. I'm, I'm waiting. This I is see him. <laughs> the most legendary man I've ever seen before. You might know him as the 1997 award winner for male stand-up comedian of the year, I might mention, and the love master himself. It's Craig Shoemaker. Craig, what's going on, man? I'm doing great. Um, do you want me to? Uh, are they watching this? Because I'll do that in entrance I had when I surprised you guys earlier. If you'd like. <laughs> I can recreate that. People are watching. You can give it a go. You uh, you scared us okay. upon entrance. So here, here, so so recreate it. You were there. Yeah. You were, you you were there, and this is all you saw. We saw nothing. Yep. And Just you're going. Where is it? Where is that guy? <laughs> where is Craig Shoemaker? Jesus, we have him booked, and then boop, there we go. <laughs> We're sitting here. We're like, oh, are those Emmys? Look at those. Those are Emmys. And then, yeah. bam, there's Craig. Oh, yeah. I didn't even do that intentionally. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, okay. No, no. <laughs> the, the Emmys and community year, but here's the one I'm most proud of. This is the horse's ass oh. uh, trophy. Is See, that- the horse's ass trophy that I received in my ex-wife's family reunion. <laughs> See, See, the Clark family reunion champion. I was a champion horse's ass. The champion of, like, being divorced? What? No, no, we were married at the time. Oh. Uh, they, they, they were trying to give a hint, uh, <laughs> Carolyn. We're gonna, we're gonna uh, give your, you know, your, this guy you brought here to Rhode Island. We're gonna, we're gonna bestow him with this honor. He is the horse's ass of all horses' asses, and um, and there you go. That's why she's my ex-wife. <laughs> I think that's incredible that that's up there with your Emmys and like comedian of the year awards. It's a good, it's oh a good yeah, motivator. Best best bit ever on XM Radio. All these great awards. This is great, but that is that is the one I cherish the most. That's the one that's up front, baby. I love it. That's what that's what comedy is all about. Is seriously. You can't. can't, It's like it shows it right there. You know, you can be as high and as low in one second. Just just like you know, uh, just like television shows and podcasts. I can be on. You know Joe Rogan, and now here I am on Justified. You know that sounds about right. How, yeah, <laughs> sounds about humble right. Humble fall from grace, and we're we're more than happy to have you. Here. Oh my God! Oh, what a world! What a world we're living in. Seriously, gotta love 2020. Where are you guys? Where Where are you guys right now? Uh, New Hampshire. Oh, New Hampshire. Oh, okay. That's that's New England. Like we're on the horse's ass. That's exactly. fantastic. <laughs> Not too bad, right? Would you like if we sent you the horse's front, like the New Hampshire award? Like, <laughs> you just give the horse's head. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Godfather in it. As long as you're not giving head to the horses. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I love New England because I love the accent. I was saying the other day that accent, especially like Boston, you can get away with saying really inappropriate things just because you're from Boston. It's like. It's almost like having a dummy, you know, if you're a ventriloquist and the dummy can get away with everything. Same thing with like a Boston accent. You can actually go, you fucking retard. And it's all right. It's 100% true. It's completely forgiven. So everything goes out the window. It's, all, it's the same as like Ahmed, the dead terrorist, when Jeff Dunham has the dummy, that he can be as racist as he wants to be. And it, it's okay. So, but if I'm in my normal accent, I gotta watch what I say. There's exactly. a lot of cancel culture out there. I was about to say. I, I wanted to say it's it's impressive. You've been in the game since uh, 1980, so 40 yeah. years. 
Yeah, since I I was actually I was a comedian, but really professional in in high school. Wow. And you haven't been canceled. Forty years. Oh, there's been there's been attempts at canceling. You've, you've I had some scares. Have, I'm just I'm so obscure now that nobody really cares. But if I got any more famous again, oh, they'd come after me. <laughs> That's it's it's just insane how. You know, you would think like we're essential workers. It's laughter's the best medicine. You'd think that they would want more and more laughter. We're the first ones to go because my theory is that they're afraid of comedians. People are frightened of comedians because they know we're curtain pullers. They know we're truth tellers. And we're going to see things that other people aren't seeing as they're programmed into the cult, which we are in a lot of cults going on. <laughs> and there's a lot of cult work going on right now. And no one wants to hear that about themselves. You don't want to hear about your leaders and they know that we're the ones that do it. So we're the first ones out, you know, us and yeah, we're, we're the first ones to go. That's why I have censors, FCC, cancel culture, as if it wasn't hard enough with censors and, you know, getting on television, network television. Yeah, let's have some cancel culture people come <laughs> along. Let's just, let's just completely get rid of you court jester fools. Uh, and that's, listen, it's going to ruin, it's going to ruin our world if you cancel the comedians. It is. No, 100%. I agree with you on that one. I mean, you guys really, um, I always say like toe the the moral line. Like you kind of push it a little bit, see how far you can go with uh, morals and see, like test the grounds of culture. And like you said, we need that, especially right now, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I make, I and I'm not even political and they, they're canceling me. I made a joke about, on Twitter about when Kamala Harris was announced, I said, I cannot wait for this. True. I cannot wait for that debate against Pence. Uh, you know, because I said this, she's going to whoop him so bad. He's going to need uh, pro, uh, concussion protocol. Ten. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously. So, but I wrote that and yeah. it's like really innocent. It's like, so it's, what? It's you not know? bad at all. It's just, it, it, but not only that, it's like, oh, your guy, it's, you know, I'm not allowed to say something bad about you. You know, your little choice. No, you say it about anybody if you find something funny. But anyway, a guy writes to me, he goes, did you write that? And I go, and I wrote back, why? Yes, why? He goes, I've been coming to see you for this many years, and you're my favorite comedian of all time. I've been taking this many people. And he says, um, and I never will pay to see you again because now you're wow. political. And he, and he lumped me in with, you're, you're now you're Sean Penn and Barbara Streisand oh and Susan Sarand, and he wraps me up with all them because I made one little tweet that took, you know, two seconds. I said, I wrote back to him. I was like, challenged him. I go, you're going to cancel the Beatles out because they had some things yeah. to say, you know? So, so now all your music and all your love of the arts and, and this guy saying I'm his favorite comedian, you're just because you voted for someone. And that person is, is apparently perfect. You cannot challenge them. You know, Donald Trump actually had a roast about him when he wasn't the president. So therefore yeah. he's saying, yeah, make fun of me. But now that he's president, now we don't make fun of him. That makes zero sense. But in people who are follower ilk, not, it doesn't have to make sense. And that's what comedians are here to, to, to challenge you to get to your own truth. You know, that's yeah. what uh, the Wizard of Oz is all about. These are charlatans behind a curtain. And we're going to we're going to be Toto. And here you're trying to, here you're trying to put Toto to sleep. <laughs> if they're trying to euthanize Toto. Once you try to euthanize Toto, that's where the line is drawn. That's where yeah, you draw the line. You, yeah, you, you can take out the scarecrow. You don't take out Toto. No, seriously. No, 100%. Um, so I do have one thing. So I've told my mother about this because I'm like, hey, 
Um, well, one, she's asking where I went. So I'm like, I'm going to go record with Craig Shoemaker. And she's like, Craig Shoemaker? The Craig Shoemaker? I was like, yeah, you know. And Craig, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm 23 years old. Uh, I know a lot of your uh, bits and everything were that it's 80s and 90s and even. Well, yeah, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at John uh, uh, Bucanis here. Uh, you know, these are the people that you're going to see that know me is he has no hair and a white beard. <laughs> <laughs> and then he mentions the 80s. I couldn't handle they're the ones. <laughs> These kids couldn't handle from the eighties. He's right. They're the ones. Uh, but and, yeah. Oh, I love that Jacob says I'm almost thirty, and one of his fa- and his favorite comedians, the ones from the eighties, it said whatever the hell they wanted and didn't care. Yes, I agree with you. But thank you. So you were saying you're 23. Yeah, I'm 23. So I'm not familiar with most. I did some research today, and I did. Uh, there were some jokes. I was like, who is that guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the problem when you get to be my uh, this many years in the business. It's always research instead of just I like, check that as <laughs> well. well I, wanted, I wanted I'm to at ask the research you phase. how <laughs> instead of I'm uh, like I'm like an astronaut here. Right? Hey, astronauts are cool. All right, so that's I know okay. they are. I yeah. know they are. So are, so are so are veteran comedians. We're we're pretty cool. But it, but it, you know you have to, when you have to do a search for us and we're not just <laughs> popping up every day. This is probably part of part of the problem. No, no, no. Well, that was about to say. Let's not make it part of the problem. What recommendations would you make for a twenty-three-year-old such as myself to say, okay, how do you get into eighties uh, and nineties comedy? How do you know that world? Is it just you have to be in it to understand it, or is there something that you should do before and going into it? Well, I mean, it's it's a kind of a double-sided question. What I would say is, if you're after. Um, what I'd say is if you come from the 80s, if you're 80s comedian, so to speak, or even uh, 90s, uh, these were trailblazers. I mean, this was Seinfeld was from this generation and uh, Bill Maher was from this generation. And uh, these are people who are pretty much, you, you know, you gain wisdom and that's something you just can't, you can't attain that unless you've experienced it. And that's another thing is um, I, when I teach, I mentor comedians and I say to them, you know, the biggest thing is tell the truth and it's your truth. So the, the more you live, the more truth you have experienced and you're going to share that. So that's the biggest uh, you know, suggestion I ever give. And now, unfortunately, though, um, you know, a lot of like I look at Instagram who has millions of followers and I am not going to pose in a bathing suit, although I might go naked at this point. But uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's like I'm like looking at the formula, like, how do you get seen by this generation? Because like you were just saying, it's got to you have to be researched at this point as opposed to like I have a special out on Amazon right now and uh, it's not going to come across your radar. I'm sorry. Did I use radar? That was a term (laughs) that we used back in the day. How about sonar? No, sonar. (laughs) SOS. Yeah, SOS works. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a whole other world that we're living in. It's very. Here's the other thing I was talking about this morning. I have a new team here at my studios, and I was saying that um, I really believe in storytelling. And this Mm -hmm. is forget storytelling anymore. I mean, if Dickens was around today, it would be. um, It would. It was the best of times. The end. I mean, (laughs) you're not wrong. You know. You know. uh, God created Earth. Okay, he's done. Uh, it's it's just it's really uh, we have such a quick fix society. I am a marathoner, and now we're in sprints, and people are interested in sprints. It's funny because I was saying this morning that um, 
in in car racing though you you'll watch 500 miles of racing but drag racing was never that popular but in foot racing people don't really watch marathoners much but they really do like sprinters right so uh, i'm a marathoner and I, my special is 90 minutes you know and i believe that you you can gain so much more texture you have so much more texture that way nuance and you can really tell a story that way and now it's you've got to get somebody you got to say fuck <laughs> you know i mean yeah. if, you know to get their attention and to be and i just you know it it's it's a different style that i have and i don't know what to do about that to get to the audience to say hey can you take a breath and um, he says, can you get away with doing the love master? <laughs> I, I, you know, take a breath and just, you know, sit back for a minute. You don't have to go move on to the next. It's like sex, man. You are you a huff puff squirt guy? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, are you going to enjoy yourself a little foreplay and then yeah. have a few orgasms? I mean, that's how it goes. But it looks to me right now, it's just it's not really the paradigm has shifted into a very quick uh into a very quick world but i just said that joke in front of Corey's daughter who's 12 years old she just walked in hey i hope you didn't hear that <laughs> yeah i think that kind of goes with the generation though that you're talking about um like these kids are on tiktok their attention span is 60 minutes at its peak or 60 seconds at its peak they can't yeah like they're not ingrained yeah. to do something like 90 minutes and I think that's just how they were raised. Like instead of going out and doing stuff, their parents put a, a laptop in their, in their hands yeah. and said, watch YouTube to keep yourself busy. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I get it. It's, it's true. And listen, you know, I didn't, I, I was also that way too, you know, but there was, there was social media wasn't around, you know, you passed a note mm -hmm. uh, to a girl that you liked, but it's just, it's, it's so different now in the way of a connection to, there's not a lot of connectivity. And that's something I always relied on is this fan base that I'm still friends with. I mean, I was I really, I love connecting with people and you just don't do that now. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking it's almost it's way more impressive that you were able to become huge uh, like back in the 80s because it's so easy to just go viral overnight now. Like a uh, thousand people do it every day. Someone goes viral and you're forgotten the next day to be able to have a 40 year run and go just word of mouth like is incredible. Mm. Man, it's been that long. My God. Um, <laughs> I can't even hear that. Uh, yeah, well, because you have to be – then you had to be scalable, sustainable, and now you don't. I mean, I just had people – I have a gaming business, so Laughter Heals Gaming, where we bring healing laughter to, you know, gaming community. A lot are stressed and bullied and, and things like that. So we have this Laughter Heals Gaming, and the other day I ran into influencers. They were literally influencers. <laughs> yeah. I said, Why don't you come game? You know, so I brought them to my studio and I was getting it. I go, how many followers you got? A million. I go, what do you do? He, goes, do. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. They have a million followers. He does nothing. He doesn't even tell me what he did. He's like, well, I lip sync to songs on TikTok and, and I have curly hair and they follow yeah. me. Yeah, and I'm just going, oh, my God, I've honed this, crafted this. I have hours of material. And this guy, and I'm begging for 17,000 followers you know, on Instagram, begging, you know, like, how do I keep them? Do I put this photo? And this guy is a million, and he literally said to me, I don't know what I do. <laughs> I, looked, I looked, and indeed, he doesn't do anything. There's oh, no, I'm, what in the world? 
And so it's it's definitely a mystery to me. But I do think it's it is symbolic to sex. It's like you know, yeah. which which you're gonna go for? You're gonna find love. Are you gonna have a one? You're gonna find sign? love. You yeah. know, I'm I'm your lover, folks. <laughs> yes, you lover. are. You are the love master. I am the love master, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, baby. Love master, I'll have you begging like PBS on a pledge drive. That's right, baby. Oh yeah. I'll be in so long you'll have to take a personal day, baby. I love how you're looking right in my eyes as you do this too. It really adds to the I really yeah, I've been looking all over the place. I don't know. I think I'm looking in your eyes right now, but this is looking into your eyes. That is looking right oh, to the soul. Yeah, that's right, baby. I'll have your knees knocking. Like a Jehovah's Witness on Red Bull, baby. Dude, I can't, man. I, can't. I love it. I love. That was a little creepy. There's two dudes. Yeah. I'm straight. Well, look, we'll just let it happen. And, uh, but I'm okay. I'm okay with myself. All right. Yeah, I'm okay. I can do that to two dudes. I wasn't looking at you. This I couldn't do because now I'm looking at you. I could. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, that's creepy. All right. In 2020, it's yeah. It's come on now. But no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Oh, I gotta remind. I, I have to be reminded of that all the time. Yeah. No, okay. Hey, 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 boomer. Oh, that's another cancel. <laughs> boomer. This is like you go outside of the comfort zone. Boomer. Has anyone it's, called you a boomer? Yeah, one time in Chicago, man. Oh, no way. No. I gotta tell you, that one hurt. <laughs> the first boomer always hurts the worst. <laughs> the first boomer. I think I might add one recently. Uh, oh, that was a joke, though. That one, this one was a joke because I was like, I'm self-deprecating about my technology, and um, so someone goes boomer, but I didn't mind that. But this was on stage; they yelled it up, oh, and, and they left. By the way, oh, which my made God. it even worse because that's this culture also is like we'll show you, right? We're not going to give you any more of our time, our valuable time, because I've got people to, I've got people to disconnect with. <laughs> Uh, I I have people that I don't even know that are much more important to me staying centered here in your laughter and your and your joy that you're presenting. No, I've got misery to to, to promote. So it's 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 amazing to me. This is what people are doing. They're canceling themselves out of their own happiness. Yeah, right. That's, that's what's that, that's what they're getting out of it. And if you're following these politics and the division that's going on, you're canceling out your own happiness. You are not happy people when you're just screaming at one another with you're just taking a meme that you saw over here and taking a stat you saw over here in your chosen spot and you think that that's happiness or you think you sound smart. No, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you're a fucking idiot that couldn't go any further than a button in your cult. So I say fuck that and come to the comedy side because we have no leaders we don't want anything. We make the least amount of money. By, by the way, I, I, I just got, I got, I have no stand-up anymore. I have yeah. no stand-up. I, I took a gig the other day, like an online gig, and I basically, so the pricing is way different. I could actually buy a bottle of ketchup right now oh, from man. the money that I made. <laughs> and I'm not talking about a Costco big one. I'm talking about just a regular size bottle of ketchup. That's the kind of, that's how fast comedians work. Bam, we were out. We're, we're the last ones to be on stage right now. Have you noticed this? They have Kyle Dark concerts going on. No comedians except for these drive-throughs with people honking. Yeah. That's going to go 
that's going to go way fast out of here. Yeah. We thought the hecklers were bad. Now they can honk. And, <laughs> not, and there's no bouncers. Is the bouncer going to come along in a demo derby and smash your ball? Can you imagine no, if you gave every, every person in the crowd a trumpet and be like, don't, don't use that. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah it's like new year's eve i won't even play new year's anymore i said oh, you you hire me you ain't putting a noisemaker out there well now you just put them in their car with tinted windows with and you say yeah, just peep that thing whenever you want <laughs> no way i people have been asking me to do these things that is one i will not do i'd rather be with two people in an audience like right here yeah so how often were you doing stand-up before uh covid hit mm. I've been uh, actually producing a lot of TV lately. I happen to be in February right before we actually spent a month in Philadelphia doing a TV. Uh, we did four episodes of a series I created. But um, it's, uh, you know, it, it varies. I was you know, picking it up. It, it depends on seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, summer, is, summer normally is a slow season because people, uh, they, they don't want to be indoors. Understandable. You know, that's, a, that's a tough one, you know, so it depends on the area. But mostly the summer, um, they're not coming to see you. But uh, other times, you know, I'll pick it up and I'll work, you know, four weekends in a row. Um, I really do love making people laugh. I tried retiring at one time because I got tired of the road. But um, I'm not retired now, by the way. You can call me up. I will beat your party. I will do private <laughs> there you party. Go. Yeah, because I want to ask you. Know, I'll do a show. I'll do a show in your car. I'll just do you know, can't you know. Yeah, backseat. You know, I just did take a private party in Rhode Island, not in Rhode Island, in um, in <laughs> uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, they want to bring me in for a grand, <laughs> grand appearance again. But no, I, 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 I'm taking different jobs. I'm producing television, even inside of the studio that I'm in. I put. Uh, socially distanced audience in my studio here because you just have to have live laughter. Right. It does not work without just a straight on Zoom call. You'll never get the nuance. You'll never get juice the same way you will. And I only use, say, 10, 15, 20 people in the audience, and it's enough. It's enough. It really works. Yeah, because I wanted to ask you about that. Um, a lot of these, when COVID hit, a lot of these talk shows were going to Zoom calls and just talk like um, The Daily Show and everything like that, just talking straight to a camera. And it was the most cringy thing I've ever it's seen. Not, it was awful. No, Bill, Bill Maher's show is not the same. I no. mean, these shows, are, it's almost like creepy. Yeah. And it really, it really makes the comedian look like – and then you start to go, did, did, did I have bad taste before COVID? And <laughs> you know, so, was this – wait a minute. Was it, Did this guy fool me that he was funny? And it's just it's – just, it makes such a difference. I mean – if I was on with you right now, and I have been on podcasts, I mean, you guys are laughing, right? I'm having a blast, man. This is awesome. Well, just, just that. I mean, I'm, I, you know, a comedian, we catch a vibe. I mean, you're right. literally catching a vibration, and it stops if somebody's like reading their notes the whole time and they're going, you know, how many time, how many sisters do you have? And then they're, <laughs> they're reading the next note before you're answering. They're not right. responding to the to the impromptu laughter it's an energy feel and it really helps when that happens uh or this thing would have been over in five minutes i would have been going okay thank you justify good night well but, we've, uh, we've made 20 that's a that's an accomplishment in my book right there with craig shoemaker so i'll take it let's go for a little bit more but i love well it. your parent your parents are more impressed than you are no 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 <laughs> i have to say so you and me did a, a show together about a year and a half ago we did. Um, we were on like a roundtable type thing about uh, 
cancel culture and comedy being dead. Um, we were. We were. <laughs> Where was this? Uh, it was through the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Wow. Oh, I do remember that, but I didn't. S- oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I am remembering that. Okay. Yeah. And I was. I, okay. So you, we were in that. That's what the topic was that day. Yeah. And it uh, we never met. We never met. Cause no, then I was no, going to no. feel, I was going to feel really shallow. No, not face to face. And now I'm okay. <laughs> uh, but like talking to you about like comedy and stuff, like you, you, you have a way of just motivating people and Oh yeah. Um, like you made me feel like I was like, I can make people laugh. So I, we went out and we actually did our first live show uh, pretty shortly after I had talked to you. I kind of was like riding a high and there was no feeling like just making a room full of people laugh. Like when we wrapped the show and I got off stage, I was like, I'm like, I'm on co- on heroin right now. Like I want to chase a fucking dragon. Like yeah. it was such yeah. a rush and unbelievable feeling to let just make a whole room of people laugh. So like, that was kind of like inspired by you. Dave was there with us. So it was fun. Um, when, I, when I retired, that was one thing that I missed. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was just, it was starting to get, uh, I don't like promote myself to tell you the truth. That's, that's the biggest problem is if I could just hang out and people naturally be gravitated towards, let's have a party and let's laugh. Oh my God, I'm all over that. Mm-hmm. But when I got to do all of the come see me and here's, you know, here's my tits or whatever that is. <laughs> Right. I, do have, I do have I'm starting to get a rack here but uh me, me anyway, too man you're good yeah you know oh good good yeah, okay yeah hey, COVID happens at least mine were later in life but, uh, <laughs> oh you have COVID tits that's fantastic yeah let, let it give me a month give me maybe I've a heard month it, and I've a heard half of people, you know putting on the COVID-19 I've never heard hey I got COVID tits COVID titties they're they're Rats. nice. I'm not gonna lie, man. Listen, <laughs> my first tits I ever felt were Rob Steinberg's. Anyway, I am here to admit it. He had the second biggest rack in eighth grade to Betsy Kirshner, and there's no shot she was gonna let me. So we all went for Steiny. There was a whole gang of us that went for Steiny. It was almost like milking a cow. Uh, now I will tell you, I went over the shirt, and Wartenberg was the only one went under. Okay, right. uh, Wartenberg went under the shirt. Right, and, and we still rip on him to this day because we caught him. Yeah, that's to be done though, especially during these times. You know, you got to make that very clear. <laughs> very By the way, did I get canceled for anything I just said? Let me see. Uh, Who did I offend? Heavy people. Cal- I never is, use- is he trans now? No. Okay, no, you're good. He, you're good. Cross check those off. The, Fine. the cow market. I think. And that's he out. lifted a lot of weights because he felt so bad about us teasing him. So now his tits are pecs. You helped him. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are we I, talking about here? There you go. That's how you help people back then. Okay. Yeah. So let's not cancel so fast. We're helping people. We need to bully more. That's what 2020 is. Well, we call it busting balls. You need to bust balls because there's love behind it. Yeah. Matter of fact, this is true. I don't even have a joke about this. The other day, my friend, he came back from his trip uh, to Michigan. He's my neighbor here in L.A. And I picked him up and I said, boy, I see the food was good in Michigan. And he, he, you know, he's from Philly, too, and it. He has not eaten since. I think it was like three weeks ago. And, and so, and, oh my God! At one point, I mean, he really, he really, he like yells at me now for doing that. But then again, he goes, "Thank God I did," because he probably wouldn't have seen this uh, this thing that looked he's about a gigantic belly in only a couple of weeks. So yeah, sometimes you want to have interventions on people. Let's not be so sensitive because guess what? Now. Here's another underbelly to that, no pun intended. 
you're helping someone get healthy. Yeah. You're having a little bit of intervention of something they can't see. So why do they get so angry with you if people get angry when possibly it's something you're not evaluating in your own life? So if we're going to get any better in life, you want just people to be just agreeing with you all the time. If you if you have mental illness, that always makes me mad. It's like people won't talk to people with mental illness. Yeah. You say, no, you have mental illness. You got to go somewhere and deal with this shit. Yeah. You know, you don't just let them get away with it because that's how they continue to have mental illness and the manifestations of it. But people won't confront anyone and they get mad at you when you confront them. That's how that's how it all operates. So, Craig, what I'm going to do later after this interview, I'm going to take a picture of my tits. OK, <laughs> I'm going to send it to you over Twitter. Listen, Give- wide way to the after the interview. Yeah, exactly. Give me a lot of shot right now. Right. Because I don't want to get canceled. But and, and then- Riley can throw some water on you so yeah. we can just just we got, have the whole yeah. we we have the whole Fort Lauderdale spring break. <laughs> we missed spring break this year. Let, let's go for it with David and Riley. Yeah, the New Hampshire special. We can do that for you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to do that. And then two months later, I'm going to send you another pick. And hopefully these COVID tits are less. Okay. And this is <laughs> okay. going to be because of you. There's something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> what's, 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 your, what's your license plate? Live free or die? I think yeah. I'd rather die than actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Me too. But um, – so tell me about LaughterHeels.org, man. Uh, it started uh, many years ago, actually. My best friend, uh, who I bond with in laughter, just like we all do. We bond through laughter, right? Our best friends I've known since kindergarten, third grade. Everything is about we laugh together. Right. Most everybody's that way. It's like these are your fun friends that you connect with. I mean, p- to be like angry together, that sucks. What kind of relationship is that? You know, every day so you, you call your buddy go, What's up? I hate you. I hate you too. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like you're, you you have to laugh together. So we did, me and Golds, Michael Goldberg, he wrote Cool Runnings. He wrote Little Giants. Oh, jeez. Yeah, really good films, and he's a great writer. He directed my first movie, The Love Master, with Farrah Fawcett. And he, just a great guy. And then all these people had come up to me and told me that kids were conceived after my show. Every guy tries to do The Love Master. <laughs> things loosen up. People that weren't even fertile. They were said, you, you can't have kids. They have kids. I have one that has, a, I should show you, there's a photo of a kid that was conceived in the parking lot of the Brea Improv. No way. While I'm telling the story, I'm going to find you the photo. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, please do, man. So, that is- anyway, they, um, I told Gulls this while we were filming. His wife was ovulating. And I, I said, look, go do the Love Master. This works, man. So give, give it a try. And I went out and got sandwiches, and he came, I came back. He was done already. That's no love master. But anyway, <laughs> baby, Kayla, baby Kayla was conceived, um, nine, and nine months later she was born after this. And this is probably about the fifth or sixth child that was conceived in laughter that I knew of that, that you know, kind of get credit for. And including I have an adopted child who um, his, the parents of the Cooper, this other child, uh, they came to my comedy show and I told them this story and they conceived and weren't, weren't able to conceive until that night. So I was able to, it was like the gift that keeps on giving is my laughter led to that. And then we had breast milk for our son. We had fresh breast milk because we couldn't have that as an adopted son. You There's know, nothing funny about this story, but it is a true story. You know how like so, they say like Wilt Chamberlain, like Mick Jagger, Ric Flair, they've all, they fucked like 10,000 women. Yeah. You, yeah. You're like a weird end of that where you're like, you've made 10,000 women fuck. 
Well, yes, I'm. I'm like the I'm like the Kevin Bacon of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> you brought I'm, the game up. <laughs> I'm six degrees to bringing your bacon. So, uh, so here, here's what this. This is from. It says it says it on here. I think it's from 2003. Look how the kid came out. The kid comes out laughing. Oh my goodness! What a smile on that ham! Uh, and now this kid's like 19 years old now. Yeah. And on TikTok um, with but anyway, that was. Followers. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here it is. It says so. She sent me a note back then. You know that's that's her. At, uh, yeah, 2003. Thanks for last year's show. Helico- helicopter man rocked. So I guess he played helicopter man that night and he rocked it. So um, that's amazing. So Gold's uh, his daughter was born, and but a year and a half after she was born, he was diagnosed with brain cancer, and they said you have three months to live. Oh. And that was literally my haha moment. You know, I've been in the business for years and it's kind of been about me, but it's all of a sudden it wasn't about me anymore. I'm getting, I'm getting this like little signal from, from the big G right. is hey, if laughter is the best medicine, why are we not exploring that more? Why are we not looking at this as medicine? Like we're a pharmacy. If you go to a comedy club. So I started these laughter Hills programs at a cancer facility. And part of my prescription was like, I'm doing a course right now, actually on, on laughter, healing, enlightenment, and one of their assignments or their fun assignments is go bring back instead of drugs, bring me back your three favorite comedy films and we'll exchange them. Like, Hey, I got, <laughs> I got a little planes, trains, automobiles over here. No way. I got a fish called Wanda. I mean, it was so, so that's what we're doing now. We're exchanging this. It really lifts our energy. And sure enough, that's what he started doing and it lifted his energy and they gave him three months to live. He lived 15 years past that prognosis. Because he had a will to live, he had joy to live for, and he had laughter, and it does so much for you. So that's how we form Laughter Heels. That's the long story of it. And I made him laugh on his deathbed, by the way. He did pass away, but I was so happy. I was very excited. He was in a coma, and I said, Golds, I don't even know if you know I'm here, man. He's just staring. And I said, man, I knew it was over. I said, what can I do to help you now? I said, you want me to jerk you off? Uh, (laughs) I didn't know what else to say. I said, I never done. I'm really good with my own. I said, you want to give me a little handy? And he came out of a comb and he goes, ha ha. And he laughed. It was awesome. That's amazing. You know, so that, that's why I feel good that I was able to gift him with that for 15 years. His, his, his daughter got to know him. We had a funeral instead of a funeral. And she got up. There wasn't a dry on the place. She goes, now I know who my father was, not as a sick man. Now I know him as, you know, the, a sick man and, and funny. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like this is how she should know should know her, her dad, and you know that's how should, we should all know one another in joy and happiness and bliss and spread that around instead of spreading this just this venom that's going on right now, man. It's terrible. Yeah, hundred percent. So you know how many people are watching your thing right now? You know, probably maybe maybe eight, and that's three of your relatives. Yeah. Now, now just think about that. What are people doing right now? What do they rather do? They're going to watch the news. That is on a 24-hour fear-mongering network, and then they have the drug companies that sponsor the news that handles the anxiety that they just gave you. That's the formula. That's the cycle. Instead of people getting out of the cycle and participating in something fun like this, crazy, right? You gotta have fun, especially during these times. I mean, like you said, I do think laughter is the best medicine. Um, not to get personal, but I know my grandfather passed away in 2012, and instead of a funeral, like you said, we 
had a, a funeral pretty much. We threw the funeral and then immediately after we opened up the wine cellar and everyone just had a, a whole party. It was amazing. Um, but that's what he would have wanted, man. He he made T-shirts. He set aside T-shirts for when he died. And he's like, in his will, he's like, when I die, bring out these T-shirts. Everyone has to wear it to the funeral. Um, and it was pretty much his face on it. It was amazing. And like you said, laughter is the best medicine. It gets people through hard times. And Absolutely. I mean, it, listen, it also assuages pain and suffering. I mean, uh, I think about, I mean, I, I come from a lot of pain. And a lot of personal uh, strain and stress, you know, growing up and chaos and mayhem. And bottom line is that's what exactly got me through was the levity and the jokes and the, the laughs that we shared and self-deprecating. I mean, that is the really the shortest point between two people is that, you know, if you want to unify, if we're in the United States, that's how to unify. It's not to do the other. Someone, you're not going to change someone's mind. But you can shift them through through that energetic space of laughter. That is how that's always the answer. And yet we're taught that it's not. Right. That's the thing. Is we're taught these quick fixes again of drugs and big pharma. You know, obviously there's no laughter lobby in Washington. I wish no. there was. No. Yeah. Imagine that. That'd be the next department. All right, Craig. Yeah, wouldn't it go the laughter lobby? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I think there should be. I mean. The value of it, it's it's in the trillions. Right next to the health department. Did you know that uh, Bhutan, their na- gross national product, is laughter? It's pretty no cool. way. Really? Uh, yes. And they're rated one of the top, maybe the top two or three happiest countries in, in the world. And Denmark is like number two or three. And the United States is so low. It's just un- yeah, we're, we're low on education now. We're low on laughter and joy. It's just terrible. And we're supposed to be this great nation we tell ourselves that all the time but it's really not true <laughs> you know there's no stats to back that one up no i'm 23 years old i've seen it come like when i was a kid i was like oh okay, this is pretty cool but now you know as i've getting older i kind of see things for how it is and like yeah. you said laughter i feel like that's the only thing that can kind of definitely get us through these times right now um but long term i mean we're gonna have to figure something out yeah, we do. If that was at the base, though, we'd figure it out a lot easier. Imagine just imagine that what's going on in Congress, all the fighting that's going on in Congress. Right. Imagine if they started every session with a stand-up comedian. There you, there you go, <laughs> Craig. This is your time to shine. Would that be unbelievable? Like, like you know, before we start with the gavel, shove the gavel up your ass. We're gonna have we're gonna have twenty minutes from the Love Master. Yeah, yeah. I got a hung jury right here, baby. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Grab this, Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. I don't want to say it's your whole audience in one room, though, but, uh, like, the ages, they, they're there. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you had that open up your congressional hearing, there has to be an energetic shift so at least we're together in this because laughter is contagious. We're talking about a contagious disease right now. Laughter is also contagious. It boosts your immune system. It, it, it relieves stress. And this is what we really should be focused on. But it's a zero now. Now, I won't. I mean, I don't I don't watch much of the news anyway, but now I really cut it. I don't need the death toll to make me protect myself more. I don't need I don't need to hear 
you know, all the stress that's out there. I don't need it because it's what they choose anyway, because, you know, they're sponsored, right? They're sponsored. It's 24-7. They're sponsored 24-7 by big, giant corporations who want you to be afraid so that they can sell you their products. That's just how the system works. So therefore, they're not interested in this respite from it of being laughter and joy. They don't want that. You know, they might do a, uh, you know, the local news might do it, you know, you know, and then the death toll is in the thousands. It was the worst fire in history. Okay, we've got Bob over here with a report. <laughs> There's a cat up a tree. Hey, Bob. <laughs> they do this smile and they go, okay, now I'm serious again. And, you know, and, and it just makes no sense. And we just nonsensically just go along with it. Oh, yeah, here's the guy that's going to talk about the cat. Here's the kooky. Here's the kooky reporter. <laughs> uh, now we're back to serious. That's how it works, and we're just okay with it. You know, I'm I'm so numb to the news now. I turned it on yesterday. They were like two category five hurricanes are coming yeah. simultaneously, and I'm like, yeah, that's 2020. Change the channel. Like that should be news. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. Not. Well, you know, we've had fires out here in Los Angeles, and especially in my neighbor, we evacuated. So you basically got to go. All right, I got that news. That took me five seconds. Got to pack a bag. I'm out of here. You know, start making some calls. Where am I staying? You know, and say, how much of this information do they have to dive into? You know, you, do you need to see every flame that's there? No, I got the picture. Okay, now let's move on. It's, you got to either get out or go somewhere to take care of yourself. Other than that, it's just what they deem for you to need to know. Right. They deem for you to fear, and that includes enemies. That includes other, you know, people of other color. This is this is how they this is how they rock it, man. They, this is this is what they do to lure you into. Then we get into we we're lulled into a sense of nonsensical, and it it doesn't make any sense. Fear mongering. Yep, that's, that's exactly name, what. It's the name of the game. Um, it's the, you golf with uh, George Lopez, is that correct? <laughs> yeah, so so Craig, I got some some of your Instagram photos that I just want to I want to bring up and, and discuss with you real quick. <laughs> okay, good. Maybe now someone will see them. <laughs> I get like five likes. I'll give you a six like. Don't worry, I got you. Okay, please, please. If I if I don't start picking it up after being on this show, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be pissed that I wasted my hour. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, what, so you, what can, you-, you can follow Craig at official Craig Shoemaker. Um, yeah, shoemaker, shoemaker. By the way, no mocker. I'm not off the boat from Bavaria. There's no, <laughs> there's no umlaut. It's a shoe and a maker. You make shoes, you'll mock them. Except for mock, except for Crocs, you can mock. You, you buy, Crocs, you can mock those all day long. You know what? The whole course of your self-esteem can slip out. You guys probably. <laughs> You probably don't wear Crocs anyway. You know, you know they have attachments for Crocs. So you can stylize your Crocs now. Oh, oh, I know, baby. I had mine bedazzled. Does anybody yeah. know what bedazzling is? I do. Oh, don't worry. There was a commercial back in the day with the bedazzler. Put on your we're, jeans. We're the last generation who grew up with cable. We know the late night bedazzle commercials. Oh, oh you are, aren't you? Okay. <laughs> I have a 22-year-old. I should remember that. So, yes, this is me and George Lopez. Another friend of mine, Chris Hale, he played in three Super Bowls. And then Christian Nikoye was the Nigerian nightmare on – on uh, that was his nickname, folks. Yeah. I'm not coming up with that one. <laughs> right. Okay. I, I didn't uh, – my friend, my friend, my idiot friend that doesn't follow football, 
I drive with him this 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 golf game, and he goes, "Hey, I heard you're the Nigerian Nightingale." And he says it to that guy right there, yeah. who's still built like a nightmare. Yeah. He was a very strong running back for the Chiefs. A shortened career, though, unfortunately. And but uh, yeah, a whole bunch of us we golf together. Um, there's a bunch of football players. Eric Dickerson plays with us, but people you never heard of. But anyway, uh, yeah, Lopez, <laughs> Lopez. Lopez and I golf together. He has a meat line. I hooked him up with his meat company. He has a meat line coming out, his own meats. He's got a meat what line? What is like George a... Lopez's meat line coming named? Uh, I think it's coming out. Jeez, I'm going to have to check in. Maybe I better get some free meat. I hooked the yeah, whole damn thing. Right, there you go. Absolutely. So it's like a clothing line, but with meat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, right. Jimmy Dean's pork sausages was a guy named Jimmy Dean who was like a you know, kind of, I guess he was a singer or something. I mean, it happens. Yeah. So now Lopez is Gene Gone or whatever it's called. But anyway, yeah. So that's yeah. Lopez has good, good. He's a good golfer. Is he? What, what? Dave, you're a golf guy. Yeah, I'm not great at it, but um, I used to play a oh, lot. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Now this is I. I you know, once you hit fifty, you do know that you become a senior. Did you know that in golf? And golf, 50s uh, age for so I'm already yeah. almost well, halfway be, there. It might be 45. It might be 45. Okay. No, well, anyway, more than halfway there. Anyway, look at my other trophy. This is this is a new one. Oh, new. Oh, here we go. What uh, what tournament did you win yeah. this bad no, puppy? I think because it's a senior championship, they made it in the shape of an urn, which your ashes <laughs> will be in in a couple of years. Yeah, did. Oh shit! All right. So, I so love second it, place. This was from two weeks ago. So, Senior club championship. Just when them saying the word senior, I almost yeah. withdrew. I almost, I almost withdrew, even though I knew I could win a lot better than a regular championship. I was about to say, you got double down at that point. I'll be honest, though. How pumped were you when you saw the urn and you were like, this is going to go great on my trophy shelf with the horse's ass? Uh, well, because there's no good with COVID distancing, there was like no joy yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. There was nobody there going, yeah. So it's basically, all right, I'll go home now. Because there's no one here for this this thing. They just they just like put out boxes and go. That one's yours on the left. <laughs> and, and then you know it's, uh, I got right, someone right, to take my photo. Walk. I think yeah. that that photo must be up on Instagram. And I come home and uh, literally, uh, I thought I told you to get hot dogs. Uh, that's what I was. That's I entered the house with what I did not get at the grocery store on my way home from my championship. So uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was. A, there was nobody that cared except for maybe you, and that's why it's up here, just so I could bring just it on your for show. Me. Yeah, thank you, man. What did you shoot? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm not a good golfer. I got a trophy in one of these celebrity tournaments for closest to the car. <laughs> I got that's still a trophy, man. I mean, that's that's an accomplishment. Whatever I can earn. Yeah, whatever seriously. I can earn. But I, I play in these celebrity things, and I'm not a big celebrity, so I feel so bad these corporations pay all this money and I'm, I'm I'm golfing with them, and they're looking like two heads, you know, two holes ahead. Going, is that John Elway? And I'm going, <laughs> I'm going. So you might have seen me on Late Night with Craig Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> like I have to tell them who I am and my credit. And I'm not funny on the course, so that makes it even worse. Uh, so yeah, there's it's filled with Hall of Fame athletes, and this foursome gets stuck with the comedian. That they that they might have seen on a couple late night shows. Oh, it's a nightmare. It could be it could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. I could be you. Exactly. <laughs> I do. I shoot like t- 
20 or 30 over par. So, yeah, it could be a lot. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's rough. I used to be. I'm not, yeah. I used well, to be I'll good. Let... Then I, got, huh? I don't I, think you did. I, no, I used to be good. I used to. You're shooting 20, 30 over par. You were no. never at one point good. So, what I did, I stopped for like five to six years just because uh, golf is expensive. And, uh, you know, now that I'm like Mr. Mr. COVID man over here, got some some tits, some weight tits now. Helps me guide the ball really good. So we're getting there. Again, give me two months. Give me two months, Craig, okay? You know, you know, I've never – I've heard – taking a lot of golf lessons. I've never heard one single instructor, instructor say, you got to throw your big tits into it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get a lot more – you'll get a lot more of a drive into it if you throw right. your big old titty into it, Try, your man tit. In the next tournament, tell the, tell the boys and girls that. See what they say about it, okay? All right. All right. Now you just pull Whoopi up here. Yep. <laughs> so you got you I and Whoopi Goldberg at Comic Relief in 96? Yeah, that was a big night for me. That was probably top five career highlight nights. That, that was crazy. Yeah, so what, what yeah. happened there? Well, Whoopi got me on uh, the show, and she's just, you know – there are very few people in Hollywood that you will ever find that will truly help you. And I'm, I'm a guy that knows my friends from kindergarten, third grade. My, my accountant, I, was, I shared a cot with in milk in kindergarten. To this, and he lives in Philly. I live in L.A. But I just, I'm a loyal guy. Very little of that in Los Angeles. It's who you work with next, who's going to do something for you. All of that stuff is true, but not with Whoopi. No, she she even fought to get me on that show. She got me on Hollywood Squares. I mean, this is a person that is a true friend, and, a, and I haven't seen her in years, but she is a good – she's one of the best, if not the best person in Hollywood. It is just really? – I don't care if you agree with her politics. If you like loyalty, if you like a good person, a loving person, a caring person, a supportive person, a passionate person, an intelligent – if you want all those things in one friend, that's who you're going to get. Loyalty. And she went in there, and she got me on, and – that's me calling her boyfriend at the time on my cell phone. It looks like a bat phone <laughs> yeah. uh, from the 60s. Uh, but uh, Dinosaur. yeah, and that was a big night for me. And then I got to meet my idol, who also was a nice guy. You guys know who Don Knotts is? You, you do his impersonation, correct? Barney Five, Mr. Fairly Three's okay. company. Yep. When I was a kid, he was really big, you know, on, on reruns on Andy Griffith's show and stuff. Well, I met him that night, too. And. I did my first press conference and kind of got discovered. It was a comic relief. I don't even know if you guys know what comic relief is. It hasn't been around in a few years. Seriously. It, yeah, it was a big, big deal on HBO. Um, it was hosted by Robin Williams, Billy, Crystal, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg were the hosts. And it was really uh, just the greatest of all the comedians would do the show. And Barney Fife, Don Knotts, they posed us next to each other. And I'm doing the old Barney. I'm doing, snip it in the butt, Andy. And he goes, he's old, and he goes, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, look at you. You do me better than me. It's awesome. Yeah. And I ended up looping him in the movie Pleasantville. He was sick. So the uh, half of the movie when he speaks is my voice looping him and looping his voice as an old guy. Really? Yeah, he circles the apple on the telestrator. It's actually my voice going, boom, why do you call that right there, bud? They're forbidden fruit here in Pleasantville. I'm your TV repairman. And so, uh, yeah, and I play the narrator in there too. But the, yeah, and I, we, they sat us next to each other, and he's the nicest guy 
I still have a photo of it here in my office. He's the nicest guy ever. And his daughter called me up a few years ago and she said, I'm writing a book called Tied Up in Knots, Don Knots, about my dad. And I want you to be in the book because you're his favorite comedian. Wow. Yeah, it was full circle because when I was a kid, he was like an uncle comfort food to me. Right. You know, watching him in old reruns. I'm, you know, I was Andy was like a dad and he was like an uncle. And here he was. I became his favorite comedian. So it was pretty crazy. That's awesome, man. That's a very wholesome story. I feel like we need a lot more of that in uh, the old 2020. Well, I mean, again, that's about long term loyal relationships. You know, he and Andy went all the way. Andy Griffith, mm-hmm. you know, Andy Griffith then got a show called Matlock, which was my first show I ever did, by the way, when I moved to L.A. Okay. I played it. I played I was two episodes, of the same character. But he brought Don Knotts on the show with him because they were loyal old friends. Does this happen now? Yeah, I guess it does. But, um, you know, hey, this is my old buddy from TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to hold up well in the next generation. Yeah. Uh, remember, remember when that shoe was thrown at me in the TikTok? And uh, he was the one that threw the shoe. And I'll never forget those days. And we, we I did will. did the dance never... together. You know the dance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The shoe dance. Remember that? So, uh, you know, I don't know that that can happen. I don't know that there's even these loyal friendships. But I would recommend anybody watching, listening to say, that means the most to me is these bonded people that will call you on your stuff that are there for your pain. And they've been through your pain with you. They've been through, you know, the war with you. They talk about soldiers being lifelong friends. Well, that's the way you are. If you go through any pain or any suffering, you're in the foxhole together. And if it's so brief, if you're just on to the next, then what, what kind of meaning does that have for you? Right. You know, who's there for you, uh, you know, when you're sick? You know, who's there for you when you're happy. So that's just a you know, side note on nothing to do with the career. But now if they're in the career of show business and they're really creative, that's a double bonus because you can create and collaborate together. That's fun. Yeah. You know, and be on shows together and stuff like that. I love it. I mean, loyalty is I, I feel as a 23 year old, it's gone. Like, I don't think it's there that much, um, especially in our generation with like, like you said, the, the TikTokers, the, the youngsters, you know, they don't really know uh, long term value of things. So mm-hmm. they're just in it for the, the seven second gain of emotion and we'll see what happens with there. But um, it's we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll see or we'll make it happen. You know, well, we, we can make things happen uh, by, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually teaching a course right now about change and shift and being enlightened up. And uh, we we are the change. You yeah. want to be you want the change. you got to be the change. And and we are. I want to start a laughter movement and uh, have people realize that it's really spiritual to laugh. Everybody thinks it's spirituality so serious. You need to sit on a rock in Sedona and say, <laughs> nah, you know. And then, but uh, I've been around that community and I'm in the community and it's too serious. And then you right. got the comedians, comedians are too cynical, but they don't realize how spiritual they are because they tell the truth. Truth tellers. I mean, that's like spiritual, man. Yeah. So I'm trying to build a bridge from the woo woo to the ha ha. Uh, <laughs> trying to combine the two uh, in this uh, transformational aspect of our lives is, yeah, man, you want to transform. You don't only want to change, you want to transform reform yourself to a position where you can really enjoy your life more than you do now. 
And so it's not about temporary laughters. It's about how can you get into the marathon of life and how can you enjoy your trip all along the way? You know, so I'm doing these classes now, these courses, and I'm the Sherpa, man. I'm going to take you to the mountaintop. <laughs> and then I'm going to show you the view, and the view is you. Yeah, that is you know? That is pure motivation right there. Look, you gain, I'm a follower right now of you, so there you go. You've gained one person. One new oh, person. no. Oh, I'm going to look. I'm, gonna, I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so one last photo. We got you here with Dave Chappelle. Um, oh, yeah. So this is a photo from 06, but you, you say you have a more interesting story, kind of the origins uh, Dave Chappelle, um, I was his first headliner he opened for when he was 14. And 14? He walked in. He was 14. It was called um, the Comedy Cafe on 16th and K in Washington, D.C. He was a local. I was from Philadelphia, and I was already headlining. Uh, I headlined very young because I did impressions. That really helped. And Chappelle says, hey, hey man, you want you know, hey, man, <laughs> I don't even know your puberty yet. Uh, he probably smoked cigarettes already. But anyway, he uh, he was he asked me if he could. And, you know, uh, I love mentoring people and always have and helping people. And I got on stage. He did really well, you know, a little nervous. But and then he opened for me again that weekend. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, I love watching people rise and he's one of the true geniuses out there now. So yeah. it's really great. So Dave, Dave's obviously one of the, the legends of the comedy game. What could you see it from a young age? The trajectory? No, no not even a question. Yeah. He I mean, I had it. some, I've had some wrong. I had some wrong. There was a guy, he committed suicide, but he was a great comedian named Richard Jenny. I don't know if you know him. I don't, unfortunately. And, Oh my God, this dude to take a premise of a joke and turn it into a, I mean, he took every piece of meat. It was like, make a carcass out of it. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't make a soup bone out of, out of it after he was done with it. He could take any premise. He was amazing, but um, it's a shame you don't know who he is because it, you know, kind of mitigates the story. But um, he, he worked in this place where I booked, I, and this guy, John Mulroney brought him down. He goes, this guy's going to be really good. And he taped dollar bills all over his body. And he walked up on stage on a Tuesday night, this show I booked. And he goes, I'm made of money. <laughs> that was it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. I made money. And I went, Mulrooney, what are you talking about? This guy's terrible. And then I got to know him. We got to be friends. We actually all moved out together, the three of us, to Los Angeles. And Jenny was just unbelievable. His own TV series. You know, it was a guy that, uh, you know, kind of self-sabotaged and literally did when he committed suicide. But, uh, man, that dude was so funny. But he um, – that was one that I did not pick it. You know, like Rosie O'Donnell, she and I started together when we were kids. Her I knew. Absolutely. It's a shame she doesn't do more stand-up because she yeah. really was. She was amazing. We were both 18, and she was killing it. You know, she was really, really – we were in an improv group together. Um, Eddie Murphy's old improv group and really? we, yeah. And then uh, me and her and this guy, Bob Nelson was very popular at the time. Um, Billy Crystal's old partner, Dave Hawthorne was in that group okay. and we did improv in long Island. It was, uh, it was a really good introduction to improv. That was interesting. Cause that's very scary. It's not your act. And she was, one of them. she was one I knew 
Tim Allen I knew before. I said, oh, this guy's got something special. Um, they have, they've got like a glint in their eye. They've got a real motivation. And they actually have, and I don't know, I'm a, I won't put judgment on this, but most people who I know that made it when I knew them when had a, um, they had pure focus on the goal. And that included who they needed to know all along the way. Like Rosie was buying gifts for Andy Scarpati uh, from the comedy cabaret outside of Philadelphia and buying his kids gifts. And, stuff. and I guarantee she wouldn't know those kids in a lineup today because right. that's who she needed to know then. And then she needed to know Barbara Streisand and Madonna and, and so on. But she and Tim Allen, they always had this focus that um, I don't care. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there and I'm going to get to know who I need to know to get there. And um, I think that's one of the reasons like, you know, kind of prevented me from going to like big time is, is I really didn't want to do that. You know, it's, right. if that's what it takes, if you that's do, what, if you I have a purity it, to yourself, yeah. where What's that? you have more of a purity to yourself where like you're with the pack, like you love your pack where some people are out here. They don't want the pack they want. They're for themselves. And you, you want to rise with the people around you. So I kind of, it makes sense. Yeah. And you know, my, my, my friends are my friends and yeah. it doesn't matter, you know, what they're doing, how much money they're making, what they can do for me. And I've always held on to that. And I'm not saying that, you know, Rosie and I are still a little bit of friends and, but, but, you know, in show business, you almost have to do it like that to right. stay. Uh, you know, I go to these parties and I see, you know, they're old friends from TV shows and stuff like that. You know, like I, you know, I wrote for Fuller House and all the Full House gang. They all still hang out, you know, since they were little kids. And um, it's interesting to see, but there still is a Hollywood element to it. There's yeah. still a Hollywood element that um, exists just throughout show business. It's just the way it is. And um, it's, it, that part of it's not for me. You know, I much rather I do love collaborating with smart people, but they don't have to be successful. Right. They got to be good people. Yeah. Yeah. Along with the talent. So Chappelle, Chappelle, I'd say, um, you know, he's I never really stayed in touch with him either. Um, but he's he's like he's an he's an Uber talent. He's a you know, I'm an Uber driver. He's an Uber talent. <laughs> Um, my last question, than... I don't know if Dave has yeah. any more. Um, who's your Mount Rushmore, your top four of comedy all time? Chris Rock is probably number one. Yeah. Who's alive. Are you excited um, for his return? Because he's, he's having a special come out soon, isn't he? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. I mean, look, there's where I am shallow. I'm not excited over his return. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's the first I'm even hearing it. Right. Like, I don't rush to see someone. Oh, quite frankly, uh, people go, hey, did you see so-and-so special? I can't even think of the last special I watched. I, I just can't. I don't want to watch comedians. I have a stupid reason for it. I don't want to pick up anything. Okay. You know, so I've been labeled a thief before, and, and I did steal back in the 80s. And, you know, on my way up, I was so insecure. I don't want to write a joke where someone goes, that's someone else's joke. I just want to know that I'm pure. Right. So, and it's a bummer because I have to miss a lot of comedians because of it. But what I've seen of Chris Rock, 
I've always enjoyed. Chappelle, I really enjoy. I mean, I know about Bill Burr, but I don't really, uh, I don't really know much of what he's, you know, I, again, I don't watch the specials, but what I've seen, and he's open for me before as well. Oh. Almost everyone has. There you um, go. You're the dad of comedy. I'm <laughs> the dad of the, comedy. The daddy of comedy. But I mean, uh, well, Burr's up there with my age, but but uh, he yeah, he came along a little later. But he's got a great attitude. I'm, I'm talking about on stage. He's got a great <laughs> presence. Um, you know, uh, Richard Pryor. I grew up with him, and a little bit of Steve Martin. Um, you know, it's tough to have a Mount Rushmore when I'm not a type of guy that idolizes people. I, I, I you know, I kind of like connect with people more so. Like Chris Rock's really nice. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, he paid me this really cool compliment. I got to tell you, yeah. to be honest with you, I never think anyone knows who I am. Like absolute anonymous. I don't think anyone's paying attention. And I, I've been surprised so many times by big celebrities that go, oh, my God. And he was one of them. I, it was backstage. I was actually visiting Richard Jenny of the Comedy Magic Club, and I was headlining. And a lot of the people knew that my crowds were really, really good. I always drew really good crowds, especially when I was really hot. And people would use my audiences to rehearse for the oh, Emmys. No. And, a, and a Chris Rock was hosting the Oscars. So that was yeah. that 12 years ago or whatever. Yeah. And, and so I went, so I'm there and there, Jenny, Jenny was one of his writers, Richard Jenny. And he had like a whole big team of writers. And I was like, you know, I was, I was kind of sheepishly, even though it was my dressing room they took over. And I go, hey, and 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 I, I couldn't believe how effusive he was towards me because I was going, oh my God, it's Chris Rock. And I, and I told him, yeah. And I said, yeah, you're working with my boy, Jenny. I said, me, Jenny Mulrooney, all moved out of here the same day. And I'll never forget. I go, you, Jenny Mulrooney? <laughs> you and Jenny and Mulrooney? That's some five fucking power. I mean, he was like, he was like so impressed because he knew that we were all firepower New York, Philly comics. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was really impressed by it so apparently he was watching you know when we moved out in the in the in the 90s or late 80s and um it was really cool to know that and you know uh, jimmy fallon uh i was i was performing in uh at caroline's in new york and mm-hmm. comes up to me and says do you mind if i open for you i got people here to see me and he goes saturday night live's here to see me and uh, i will tell you honestly selfishly i went yeah wait till they see me <laughs> you can do a bet you can do a set no problem right, and he right. went on and sang his song, songs and stuff he did really well it was 11 people and i go hey good job man good job he walks off stage hey thanks for letting me do that and uh, and i come here he is craig shoemaker there it's, it's packed see the headliner caroline's in new york 11 seats were empty. Those Saturday Night Live people all got oh, up boom, and left no. the room and they signed them that night to Saturday Night Live. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those 11 seats, um, <laughs> I don't know if they paid for them, but I, I did not get Saturday Night Live <laughs> as I thought I would get. But, uh, you know, so he's, hey, by the way, another nice guy, uh, you know, good guy, very talented. But, um, you know, I mean, I don't. The Mount Rushmore is so hard for me because it's such an eclectic you know, comedy. is very eclectic, and it's a taste thing. And um, you just—I I mean, it could change daily of who right. I think is. I have people you never heard of that I think are on my Mount Rushmore. So it's really hard. I don't idolize people. I—I—I uh, I, I kind of like. I'm more into character. I mean, the people's character than I am, you know, what they, you know, special that they put together. Okay. I've, I'm doing a special. Um, coming up 
Um, oh, I'm going to do, do a Zoom special. Okay. Yeah. There so, you go. All right. Look out for that. And I'm on Amazon right now. I'm an old special from 2013 called Datitude. And I think that's out. I haven't received any money, but we'll see. I'll personally, here, here I'll personally give you popular. some. There you What's go. That? I'll give you some money. I'll would help. you Would you please either give me money direct or watch the damn show? I'm, I'll get three cents. <laughs> yeah. I'll do both. It doesn't cost people. People go to Amazon Prime and just put Craig Shoemaker, Datitude. Watch the damn thing. You know what? I don't care if you're in the other room, you know. <laughs> I don't care if you're in the room cooking. Right. I don't care what the hell you're doing. I don't care if you actually go down the street and go to the bar, whatever you want to do, I, as long as it's running. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and then give it a good rate and review, as they say. And see my podcast, Comedy Kitchen, and Can I Help You, those two podcasts. Just follow me and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the more numbers I get, the better chance I have of, of getting another special. 100%, man. 100%. Yeah. Well, Craig, I mean, it's been an honor. Seriously. Thank you. I love it. I don't need I don't need any more Emmys. No. <laughs> you notice my Emmys back here? These they're useless. They're now jogging weights. They no. don't <laughs> Just jog around Los Angeles. Anybody remember me? <laughs> uh, well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us. Uh been a hey, David, David's uh, mom remembers me. She knows who I am. There oh, you Dave, go. Dave's got a hot mom too. So, is that true? It is. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Yes. Apparently. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> have you read the reviews? Does she have reviews? And is she getting five She's, stars? Uh, like four point five. But yeah, okay, pretty pretty right, high well. up there. Well, tell your mom to follow me on Instagram. Well, I'm scared, but we'll do. We'll do. <laughs> well, to PM the Love Master. <laughs> <laughs> I love the dad of comedy. Oh, that'll be oh jeez. Well, listen, hey, guys. Be your dad of comedy. If this keeps yeah. going, and- <laughs> listen, my my. This show's been on so long. I'll be your granddad by the end of it. Papa Craig, Papa Shoemaker. All right, Craig. Thank you so much again for joining us. You guys, you got it. Have a good one. Thanks, what am I doing? How am I getting out of here? <laughs>